the air. Psst, Dave, we're on the air. Hello, everybody. Oh, hello. I'm Dave Kleinschmidt. I'm Jeff Hallett, and welcome. We are the Two Half Squads. We have a podcast dedicated to the one and only greatest game in the world. Advanced Squad Leader. It's a netcast. It's a netcast. It's a castanet. And we're happy you're here. More and more, I I see so like podcasts everywhere. It's like my barber has a podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they all have more listeners than we do, Jeff. Yeah. You know, I go to the dog groomer and they'll say, do you listen to my dog grooming podcast? No, I don't have time. Doing the best. Yeah, it's amazing. So uh, I, the fact that people still listen to this is is quite uh, gratifying. Yes, so, indeed. We're still getting uh, immediate downloads and yeah. new listeners. And yeah, it's all cool. It's great. And, you know, I, I remember um, well, a couple of years ago, we wondered if we would get to episode 100. Like, would we run out of things to talk about? And part of what's really been fueling the show for the past two years or so has been the constant uh, output of new product, which is fantastic. Of course, so much more than we could ever play. But the fact that this stuff keeps coming out at this clip is amazing. It is. And the fact that we've been able to line up all these interviews lately. Yeah. have just really put another element of perspective onto the show. Yes. And we're, we are helping to preserve the history of the game. Someday people are going to want to know what is the history of that game? Yeah. Have you watched any good movies lately, Jeff? I think we were talking about that earlier. Did we, um, not a movie. I'm watching a, a show. Robin and I are watching Atlantic Crossing, which is on PBS. Uh, I think they're done with it. I think it's a short miniseries, like six episodes or something. And it it is about World War II. And it is um, specifically about the uh, Nazi invasion of Norway and the fleeing of the of the royalty, the royal family. So the prince and the and the king went to London and the princess and the children made it to the United States and kind of struck up a friendship with FDR. Oh, who, oh, cool. So it's been, it's, it's well done. Actually, I think it's well done. I think the acting is good. They take some uh, liberties with the story. There's some romance in there that, we're pretty sure it didn't happen. And you, and you, if you read about it, you know, the, his, the historians will kind of poo-poo the thing. But, and it says right at the beginning, based on true events. Yeah. Kind of an awkward thing. True events? It, based on false events? <laughs> Is that the other? <laughs> That's the rest of the fiction stories, yes. I don't know. Um, so, you know, they take liberties with things. But um, I think it's pretty well done. I don't really like the guy that plays FDR. It's... Um, Kyle McLaughlin, you know, who played in Blue oh. Velvet. He played in Dune, the first yeah, Dune. He, he's, my, he's my uncle. Yeah, he's not that good, though. I, you should not insult my relatives. I love your relatives, but he's not a good actor. No. Wait, uh, he's I, the guy from Blue Velvet, the 
Blue Velvet. The, the young guy? Yeah. With Laura, across from Laura Dern? Yeah. I, I'd agree with you. I think so. I mean, I, I agree. So. I agree with you. Yeah. I, he was also in. Uh, He's low key. What was that one about the the weird town? Kansas City? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just a joke for our upcoming series, interview. Series about a town. Miami. That's a... Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll look it up while you're talking there, but so I I say I would recommend it if you want to sit and watch something yeah. kind of or twoy with your wife because they put some romance in there, so it's good for the chicks. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Kyle McLaughlin was in Twin Peaks. Oh, not Blue Velvet. He was in Blue Velvet too. But okay. It, Twin yeah. Peaks was a was the show he was in the TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just seemed low-key. Yeah. But he did not play low-key. Low-key. <laughs> He's low-energy. Low yeah. Um, low-key is played by... Uh, in the Thor movies. Oh, I can't remember. Proceed. Well, I had seen Hamburger Hill, as we mentioned earlier. So. Yeah. When did you watch that? Just the other night? Yeah, uh... Laura left, and I, as you know, I have us. I'm cleaning out everything. <laughs> yeah, the junk. And I thought, re reread it, and then give it away, or donate it, and then rewatch it and give it away, or keep it if it's that meaningful. Oh, does it bring me joy? Yeah. <laughs> and Hamburger Hill doesn't bring me joy like uh, uh, the other Apocalypse Now, the more artistic kind of odd films yeah but it was good yeah it's great it's very good um the music by philip glass and you had an opinion about it in the opening they're they're covering the the wall with the names in washington and and images of the war and the music from philip glass fit as they're scanning along the wall you know you know but and then at the end i i don't think they had any music in the middle and at the end, charging up the hill for the final triumphant, they ran the Philip, Philip Glass music, and it didn't seem to work for me there. Yeah. I'm not a... Certain things he's written, I think, are okay. I can't remember offhand what other movies he's done. And I haven't seen Hamburger Hill in many years, but um, Philip Glass has also written a number of operas. Which have been yeah, I didn't know that. Chicago, yeah. Einstein on the Beach. Was was one uh, Nixon in China? I'm pretty sure he did that. And then uh, one that I really actually like that I have a recording of. I still have it on vinyl somewhere. Is Akhenaten, which is uh, obviously about the the Egyptian king. That one's kind of kind of cool. But he's has uh, he's known as a minimalist, so he'll take a theme and just kind of repeat it over and 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 do I have to go on? No. Yes, I do. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Do you know where that really worked well was this film Koyana Skatsi. And that's an art film. Koyana Skatsi meaning life out of balance. And it's I loved it. It's great art film with all his Philip Glass music and it fits so perfectly. Because it's got like the sped up imagery and the slow down stuff, and it's like nature, and then it's like 
mankind and then there's really fascinating views like i'll have just someone staring at the camera the director and behind them it's the rapid movement of the city and they're just staring at you yeah and it just draws you know draws you in it's very intimate it's very uh, i loved koyana scotsy um hard to find i think they reissued it on dvd but for that kind of film Philip Glass works well yeah yeah but uh so getting back to the movie, um, first of all, I have to ask you, because I'm not retired, but uh, and Laura was probably at work. Do, do you feel a little guilty when you take some time off? Do you have this where you, you take the afternoon off and you're watching a movie? Yes, just slightly. You feel like you should be doing something? Yep, just slightly. Yeah. But I remind myself that, wait, I, I worked for 37 years. Yeah, so plenty of stuff around the house you just have a different schedule now yep still get dinner done and now i'm painting for i'm, co our, I'm covering for you a little bit in case there's my there's my i am wearing pants you are wearing it's, pants it's painting pants yeah i wipe you, my thank you for not getting dressed up for tonight's show. <laughs> i got my kansas city asl come yeah, on i'll give you that but i would wipe my hands when i'm painting on my pants, my brother drove my brother nuts. He said, Dave, people think you're a sloppy painter. You know, what are you doing? You carry a rag. And I have never been able to retrain myself. It's always, oh, get that paint off of there. Yeah. Whoop, right on the clothing. Oh. It, in Hamburger Hill, uh, Courtney Vance playing Doc. He was outstanding. I'll tell you that, too. Courtney Vance. And uh, I, you know, I did not remember this, but Dylan McDermott played the lead in that. Didn't like him. Huh. Just yeah. seemed too smooth looking or too. Yeah, too good looking. I kind of yeah. that. People tell yeah. me that all the time. Too good looking. It's a, well, Jeff, we, most of our listener mail is about that. Yeah. I don't watch you on YouTube because yeah. Jeff's too good looking. He too just doesn't looking. seem. He doesn't seem naturally like an ASL player. Yeah. He's unbelievable. I get that a lot. <laughs> but overall, uh, would you recommend Hamburger Hill as a war movie? That yes. That holds up pretty good. It was because it's 30 something years old now, 34 years old. Yes, I would say yes. Yeah. Okay. And what did you do with the DVD when you were done with it? It goes to Goodwill now. Okay. So. Listeners, if you're in the area, Palatine, you can go to the Goodwill store and that'll be on the shelf. Yep. First come, first served. Yep. <laughs> um, Jeff, we have a contest we got to get to before oh, we get yes. to our special yes. guest. Yes. Do you remember what it was? It was for something good. It was for something good. And people had to email us saying Mayday. Oh, that's right. Yes. And it's for a something. It's something from MMP. I'm going to look down there on by the floor. Okay. It's a winter offensive bonus pack. I hope that's the right one down there. But anyway, we have, I hope they all live in the continental United States. They Tim know. Stevens, Preston, Nate, and... Doug Laird. That was it, huh? Yeah. Are they, almost. Or are they, are they in the top five out of the 500 entries we got? Yeah. No, you know why it's that way. Everyone's got it. They've got it. Everyone's They've got, got everything. Yeah. 
Remember, we go online in, in our when people crash us in our gaming on Vassal and say, hey, yeah, would you be interested in this? We'll send it out. Oh, no, got it. Yeah. <laughs> in the, the last Twitter contest, the guy that entered, he ended up, yeah, actually, I do have it. Yeah. I'm about to go ahead and give it to the second in line. And he was happy to get it. Yeah. That's so, good. So do you want to roll a dice? Do you have a four-sided or a... Uh, I do. Di I digital? I've got my... Real? I've got the dice right here. This is from our Star Wars RPG game. Those won't work. Those have symbols on them. They do. Wait a <laughs> Are you going to roll a boost die or a... Okay. Wait a, a, a... What are the despair... Symbol or a triumph, triumph. or a uh, success, right? Failure. Okay, I've got a four sided. Uh, here's a DD. Four sided. <laughs> I can't see through this. <laughs> and you got to know how to read your triangle die. Uh, yeah, not working for us. Wait a minute. <laughs> this show, boy, the production value just keeps going down. And you, you wouldn't <laughs> think we could get any lower. Dave and I spend the, every day digging deeper. Let's see. Number three. Number three. From the bottom up as I read them, Tim, Preston, Nate. You are the winner, Nate. Congratulations, Nate. Nate who? Let me look at him. He says here, uh, he says, hello, Jeff and Dave. Oh, look at this. I recently found your podcast and I am enjoying it very much. I'm somewhat of a noob. Uh, even though I'm a noob, I have all the ASL stuff, so I don't really need this product. Just please give it to the second runner. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, did he? No, he's a noob. He's and a I've only played about 30 scenarios in the last 18 months. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Thanks for your efforts. Keep up. Peoria, Illinois. I can take it to him. It's oh Nathan. Gosh. Nathan Gregg. I can take it to him personally. You can ride your bike there, Dave. <laughs> no, we Adam lives down there, remember? And, so and Rich, Rich Spilkey's son. When yeah. am I going to Peoria next time? Nate, cool. Well, anyway, well, great. A newbie one. That's fantastic. I will email him now. Congratulations, Nate. You're going to be... Well, Excited. I'll email him during our interview. Who do we have to interview today, Jeff? We've got uh, Paul Works. Uh, Paul Work. Works, plural. Yes, there's two of them. Yes. <laughs> From the Kansas City ASL group. And uh, we had a very interesting and nice conversations with Paul. Nice conversation with Paul. We've never met Paul. No. It was very interesting talking to him. So. Yeah, and, and we, if you were to order some of the great products of ASL, Jeff, what company would you order from? Well, I would almost have a hard time deciding. I would think Bounding Fire Productions, Ritter Krieg. Yep, indeed. They're one of those. And if you order from Ritter Krieg, you get still the free shipping if you order enough. But don't just go order the $2 yeah. offensive pack. You know? Work lots of stuff. Yeah, in fact, I had just put in an actual order order and got the deluxe ASL. Ooh. 
which I couldn't remember if I already had it, and I can't find it anywhere here in the basement. If I have an extra copy, Jeff, I'll be taking it over to your house. Okay. Um, but, yep, wanted to get that support, and I that, we haven't covered that on the air yet either, huh? Deluxe ASL? No, we haven't. Crazy. Yeah, Too much I, to do. Yeah, I would really like to uh, dig into that and take a look at that. Yeah. It's kind of hard because we get product, and I want to tear into it and, and look at it, but then I also want to hold back and open it on the show and be surprised at that time too. So hard. To yeah. So Tough. Paul, Paul works. will be telling us about a lot of things. And so let's go to the interview. Okay. All right. Pretty good. I will turn on the uh, recording. Okay. And we'll send you a release. You have to sign the release. No, I don't have to do that. Sign the release. No. That's right. Who's that on our phone call, Jeff? I think it's Paul Works. From <laughs> it's Paul Works, everybody. From Kansas. Say hello, Paul. Hey, Paul. <laughs> hello. I want to say hello to uh, your all your family. I'm sure all your family are hello. gathered around the radio, even though this isn't radio. They're gathered around the radio waiting to hear you say words of wisdom. So send a shout out. So uh, thanks well, for joining us um, tonight's show. What do you want me to start talking about? Well, um, we usually, when we start with, with our the first time we've interviewed somebody, we'd like to get a little history of their gaming background and find out how they got into this hobby and uh, how they got to where we are today. Okay. Well, I'll start way back, starting to be a long time ago, mm -hmm. uh, when I was about 10 years old. Uh, I had these, uh, I had these, uh, maybe a lot of people said these little green army man guys. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I created this game, six sided die, uh, using different weapons and different, uh, probability kills. Basically. I didn't know what those were at the time, but, uh, I use these soldiers and I used like a yardstick to calculate the ranges and. <laughs> so wow. it was a long time ago, uh, about when, when I was 10 years old. And then when I was about, when I was 12, I, we created, my cousin and I created a little ship game using coins and we'd use, uh, we'd flip coins to see with a hit or a miss. And, uh, I mean, back in those days we had no idea there was, I mean, we didn't know anything about war games. Um, but then when I got to be 13, this magazine uh, called Boys Life that was part of Scouts and Weevilos. And there was an ad in there for these Avalon Hill games. And they looked mm. totally awesome. So we, my dad, mom, for Christmas, ordered uh, Tactics 2 and Panzer Blitz for me. And um, uh, it sounds ridiculous at the time, but at that point, Panzer Blitz was like ultra complicated. <laughs> <laughs> now I kind of laugh about that, but, uh, uh, but anyway, so then, uh, of course the Avalon Hill guys got my name. And so they sent me ads for the general. And so I subscribed to the general and then Lou Zoki, uh, got my name from them and sent me ads. And then I, uh, so I, I found some uh, players using that used to be on the back page of the general. They were like players wanted, uh, things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so I found gamers, Avalon Hill gamers, uh, just and SP gamers. And then 
through the Luzoki stuff, I got into D&D. &D. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, it wasn't until after I got out of college uh, that I got into advanced squad leader. I did buy squad leader when I was in high school, uh, but I couldn't get anybody to play it with me. My little, uh, even littler town that I, that I grew up in, like uh, 1,200 people. Wow. Um, wow. But anyway, so that's that's how I kind of got into the the, the gamer, um, the gaming uh, group, and then through uh, high school and college, uh, we did uh, did lots of Dungeons and Dragons. That was the thing with our, my little cliques, and um, we did do uh, Starfleet battles and uh, things like that. Uh, but at the time uh, when Advanced Squadron came out, it was still um, just slightly too expensive for me as <laughs> in college. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so uh, it wasn't until I got a job uh, and uh, made some money that I got into it. And then at some point out there, I was I moved to, I got a job out in California working for the Navy and um, not as a uniform guy, but a civilian. And um, uh, the, the group of guys that I were with, we, he, we, there was a couple of guys there that I played advanced squadron with. And at that point, I had I made this decision. Well, either I got to do Starfleet battles or squad leader, and I think I chose the right one. Although Starfleet's still pretty fun. <laughs> Is that still so? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, they they still produce stuff, so somebody must be buying it. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't I don't see anybody at game stores or anything playing it, but I suppose people do. Okay, I'm looking. Um, right now you are okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay so then my job i'll tell you a little bit about my job before we go on to the, the next, yeah uh, yeah but my job so i worked for the i uh, started in 87 working for the navy got hired on as a physicist out there and then one they always do whenever you get hired in the government a lot of times you do these intern rotations well one of the places that i uh, interned in was this place called wettac and WETAC was a division out there that did air-to-air wargaming. <laughs> and so we had this, they had this big simulation, man-in-the-loop wargaming. And if you can kind of think, if you think of that lady um, in Top Gun, the instructor. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't, in some ways I was like her, and in other ways I wasn't. <laughs> But so that's the kind of stuff I did. We did uh, air to air tactics with Top Gun guys and aggressor squadron guys and weapon wow. systems development, uh, air to air and air to ground. And so I did that uh, for about years. So that kind of war gaming. And then, wow. um, then I got hired on by the Army back here at Fort Leavenworth at a place called the, the, um, the Tradoc Analysis Center. Fort Leavenworth, and they do um, uh, they they did they do wargaming too. So what they do for the army, they're the big operations research group for the army, and they look at uh, division and below uh, weapons systems uh, operations uh, reorganization. And so we look at things I don't know 15, 20 years out, and try to make sure guys can. Um, uh, as Patton uh, said, uh, rather have the poor bastard die for his country than our, our troops die for ours. That kind of thing. So that's what I do now. 
and uh, we do wargaming here. And uh, I've been doing so that I've been doing wargaming at work for I don't know nearly thirty years too. Yeah, so pretty, so that's what is anyway. it exactly? Is it it's, <clears throat> tell it describe what the wargaming is? It's not boards and okay. stacks of rule books. Well, right? uh, yeah. So yeah. So um, we have these big simulations. Um, there are several. We have several different types of simulations. One of them that we have a like a, a core and division brigade level simulation. When I say that, that means that like the resolution units are brigades. Um, like you take them counters, but th that's this is computerized simulation, non-man in the. Uh, and then we have uh, a brigade and below one that is all the way down to the entity level, um, like individual rounds and tanks and soldiers and whatnot. And then, um, then we do have a man in the loop uh, version uh, called one staff. And then, so what we do is, is the, that we get these big study questions that come in from the army that says uh, something like, hey, we, we need to buy a new, let's say helicopter. We think we need to buy a new helicopter because the threat in 15 years is gonna out, you know, outperform us. So then we we uh, they, they, there's a program office that is associated with that heli that helicopter upgrade, and they have all these alternatives, and we examine those alternatives through a series of analyses. Um, some of the wargaming is done. So there's an initial uh, what we call a map exercise, and that exercise is done to uh, we leverage a pre-defined pre-built um, scenario, a classified scenario from the future against some threat in some area of operations. And then we examine these alternatives in that environment against that threat. And we we do uh, all sorts of analyses. We don't just use war gaming, but we do we do uh, plays. We do seminar games, we do um, these map exercises, and then we do have man in the loop uh, war games, uh, turn-based war games that we run as well. And so there's a, a a wide swath of different types we run uh, here, depending on the question and depending on uh, re really wargaming for uh, uh, the Department of Defense and analysis. You only do a war game if you don't, if something is kind of unknown. If you know everything, you might as well put it in a simulation to just run it 500 times. Yeah, oh, okay. Statistical. Okay. Uh, but if you don't huh. understand something like if you don't know how soldiers would use a weapon or they or you don't know the a combination of 20 different effects, then you play a war game to examine those player decisions and and you think about the, how that uh, you build kind of a narrative that uh, that goes along with the, the number crunching uh, stuff we do as well. well so that's that's amazing. That's, so do you ever think yeah, that that's a pretty fun job, you, yeah. you just you spend uh, 50 hours a week probably uh, doing wargaming at work and then you wargame on the weekends? Wargame on the weekends and sometimes at, at night um, yeah. on the week, weekdays. <laughs> if I can get, if we can get squad for the past two weeks, it's been Wednesdays and Thursday nights. I've been squad leadering wow. <laughs> some people. Excellent. Uh, and you're still working now. <laughs> Yes, yes, right? for yeah. a couple, few more years, yep, mm -hmm. a few yeah. more years. Who are you currently gaming with on the evenings? Uh, well, the guy, yeah, the guys I game with now uh, are a group 
uh, there's a Kansas City ASL club or group. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's we probably have 40 people on the mailing list, but we, we try to get together once a month. Um, Dan Best is Dan. the... the uh, yeah, do you know him, Dan Best? Not personally, um, but yes. Okay. Yeah, so... Yep, so Dan Best and I and a guy named Dave Moreski, we are the, the kind of ringleaders of the Kansas City ASL Club. And we get, every month we get, I don't know, six to 10 people, 12 people that show up. And, um, and then individuals hook up in between those dates. Uh, and so it's the, it's the Kansas City ASL group. And then I go to tournaments once in a while too. And then mm, very seldomly do I do Vazel. Um, uh, I've done it for tournaments, but I haven't. I'm not like some of the guys that do lots of Vazel. Yeah. Right, yeah. You have a good group there that's cl close by. You have to travel far from where you live to game with no, uh, 30 minutes. Uh, no, no, it's 30 minutes. Uh, that Dave Moreski is actually a the the um, overseer or the the manager of this this place called the Hollis Renewal Center. It's kind of like a, 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 a it's a retreat camp, and he has a there's a couple buildings there that we use that aren't being used by campers, and so we just use those. It's about thirty minutes away. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah, something about the Hollis Pack. We I think we got received that yes. from. From you guys, yeah. That's right. That's named after that camp. That's right. <laughs> okay. Yep. The little custom map in there is actually a map of uh, <laughs> the buildings. Yeah. Have. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's so yeah. So that's the group I I group, uh, game with uh, with squad leader, and then the, the I mean I go to so we've got um, the people that. Uh, um, show up there. There's well, I, well, I told you there's six to twelve people that show up, and and um, then I do go to tournaments if I can swing it. This year we're going to the Texas tournament done by Rick Reinish. Yeah, okay. And then the St. Louis one with Jim Burris and Doug Kirk and Jeff Itall and Wes Vaughn and those guys. Um, and then we we run a tournament every March. So uh, last year we didn't do it because of COVID, and this year was right kind of half Vazel, half in person, mm. and then next year we'll just go back to in person. But we get anywhere from twenty some to thirty six people that show up for March, what's called March Madness uh, during yeah. the, the NCAA time frame. So um, how that uh, how'd that work out this year? Well, it worked out okay. We so that we had a handful of people that showed up in person, and then um, then the rest of them were all Vazel. But it turned out when that when you got to the the final games that you had to do it on Vazel. So because some of the, the people that were in the finals weren't uh, locals. Yeah. So it, and it worked fine. We I think we had we didn't have as many because of the way the timing worked out for us. And the way so the Chicago Open over because they spread it over multiple weekends, right? We got we ended up overlapping, and it it kind of uh, anyway it didn't work as slick as normal. So we had about twenty people 
Uh, and anyway, so but some from overseas, which was interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, that's a long way to go. <clears throat> so is there, uh, if somebody were to travel from overseas, is there anything else to see while they're while they're <laughs> in Kansas City? I haven't been to well, Kansas there's the National World War One Museum. Yeah, they have the World War One Museum. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it is. Re if you ever have a chance, it is really good. Yeah, it is yes. one of the best museums I've ever, and I've been to a lot of them, and it's a good one. Okay. Uh, yeah, they've done a good job. Um. And uh, let's see what else is well. There's there's barbecue. There's there's a couple other. I mean, there's the um, go to a Royals game, I guess. Uh, if you're a football fan, and if you like the Chiefs, uh, you can go to a Chiefs game or something. Yeah. Um, and there's always we, uh, at Fort Leavenworth they have a museum. It's pretty good. And then out at Fort Riley, which is about an hour and a, two hours away, it's they have uh, some nice museums. Um, so there's some stuff around. Um, oh, yeah. It's not like Chicago or L.A. or New York, but yeah, but it's still a, a pretty big city with good restaurants, also and barbecue. Oh yeah, 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 right. Barbecue, right? Yep. And there's I, the surrounding area. I think it's uh, close to two million, one million in the main uh, metropolitan area. So it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, anything that you want, you can get here. I mean, any kind of restaurant and stuff. Including, I guess, any illegal <laughs> things too. Illegal? Oh no! No, yeah, I'm just Missouri. kidding. I'm On the just Missouri kidding. Side, yes, yes. The Missouri side, they have uh, medical uh, CBD and all that stuff. <laughs> also, Paul, yeah. we interviewed Mike Reed, and so now Mike yes. Reed was instrumental in the early days. He talked about that with us. Were you around right. the March Madness tournaments then too? Right. So early on, so uh, when I when I started playing ASL out in LA, when I out in California, I was near LA, and they had these these three. I forget the names of the, the conventions every year. They were gaming conventions down by the airport, and they would have a one of the thing, uh, events they would have would be a event squad leader tournament. Well, that's where I met Mike Reed and uh, Steve Rasur and Mark Newcomb. And a whole bunch of guys that I still am friends with. And uh, so I met those guys out there. And then um, Mike moved back to Kansas City. And then it was just by happenstance that I got a job back here, too. And so uh, I would go to a, a few of the early March Madness tournaments when he and Mark Newcomb were running them back in time on target days. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they have a, one of my scenarios or a couple of them are in their time on target packs. And then um, then uh, when I moved back here, there was a hiatus when uh, Mark decided he didn't want to do ASL anymore, Mark Newcomb. And then a little bit, a couple of years, and then Mike Reed and I started March Madness back up. And okay. so then we, we would produce scenarios for those. And one of those scenarios, uh, uh, I forget which year it was um 94 92 something like that but uh that year we did the the double blind scenarios where we did dmb and pew and we we brought in the players and uh all the the, the tournament players they were either the the viet uh viet men viet Cong, or the the french and we would give them uh, we would take the french players into their own room brief them a uh a 
you know, an army op board about here's your objectives, here's your forces, here's what you think the enemy is. And then we do the same thing with the Viet Cong guys. And then they would come in and they wouldn't know what the other guy had. And they wouldn't know the other guy's objectives. <laughs> Double blind. Double blind, right. And so uh, uh, everything was either, there was a lot of hit, there was a lot of concealments. And uh, that, that was a big hit for us, that DMVMQ thing. Um, yeah. And uh, it, uh, and so then we, we, we did a, a number of other uh, packs during that. We tried to do a pack every March Madness, Mike and I did. And we did that for three, four years or so. And then Mike uh, had to move to Chicago or nearby Chicago. And so there was another hiatus. And then Dan Best and I decided to restart March Madness. And that was back in 2007, 2006, 2007. And ever since then, it's been Dan Best and I, and then now Dave Moreski doing March Madness every year. So we've been doing it, I don't know, 15 years now. Um, and we do a pack every year. The first pack we did was uh, the Pusan Perimeter Pack, Pack. And it was some Korean War ASL. And the, the, so I was part of, so before Mike left, so he, uh, Ken Katz and I, uh, mm-hmm. well, let me take a step back. He, Mike and Mark Newcomb had done some Korean War research and they had proposed a, a Korean War pack to MMP, um, but they couldn't get the sale done. Uh, they couldn't agree on, I don't know what it was. I have no idea what it was, uh, but they couldn't get agree on it. And so that kind of felt. Then when Mike took off or when Mark Newcomb took off, Mike, uh, a couple of years later, Mike proposed to Ken Katz, who was another uh, a big uh, ASLer here in town. Yeah, and we interviewed, I, we did interview. Started. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Ken also about the Korean final product. Yeah. Right. 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 So Ken, so Ken Katz, I, and Mike, uh, came up, decided to re, uh, reinitialize it. And so we started the whole thing again. And then uh, we started the app and we pulled in as many people as we could into the Yahoo group. And then as, as things kind of fleshed out and played out, uh, we had a lot of kind of uh, peripheral participants. And I mean, a lot of people from overseas and uh, Canada and across the United States, Australia and Britain and France and um, and then we had then we had a core group of people. Andy Hershey joined us. Uh, you may Andy, and then Allen uh, joined us as well. So there was a group of that were the the owners or copyright guy on the the Korean War project version for our Pusan Perimeter Pack, and uh, that was pretty popular. Uh, <laughs> We, the first few years, we did a limited run of our of our modules. Uh, I don't know why we did that. Money, I guess. We couldn't afford to do more. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, that's, yeah. So anyway, so we did those. And I really love, it's not really popular, was the movie pack where we picked uh, uh, eight different movies, uh, World War II movies. <laughs> we, uh, so we have Kelly's Hero. Right. Why and the whole... Uh, 30 dozen, and uh, anyway, that was kind of a fun one. Um, but yeah, so then we, so uh, the Korean War, and if you've, you've talked to Mike and Ken, you know a lot about it. So we it, we started that way back in, I don't know, 2002. Um, and then 
and uh, we did lot, uh, rules development. So I, I took on the job of being the rules composer, and uh, and Pete was the the art guy, and the other guys uh, produced research and and rules uh, ads to the, and I would compile them. And then in 2010 is when we initially submitted it to MMP, and then a, a few years later we got the we finally got the agreement with them, and then they they did their thing for Forgotten War. And so that was, that was pretty fun. That was a fun deal, even though it took a long time. Uh, it, it was yeah. Fun. Yeah. And you've designed lots of scenarios also then for the packs. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Every scenario, pack, well, except for a couple packs um, of, the, of the 15 or 20 we put out, uh, I've done several scenarios in each one of those. Some uh, in so uh, the Pusan Perimeter Pack, Tom Meyer and I did all of those. Um, and then the other packs, it's been a combination of different people. And then in our club here, we give them incentives if they want to design a scenario. <laughs> so they, they design a scenario, then we got, then uh, we kind of wear them out sometimes with play testing, uh, but we, uh, we get it play tested. And then I do, the, I double check the, I go back and double check the historical text and the units uh, it used to be, I didn't care so much about that, but now I guess as I got older, I'm a little bit more anal. So I go check the <laughs> units and make sure they were there and all that. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's, yeah. So I, I've done a lot of scenarios, uh, for the, those, the packs. Yep. Have you had scenarios published yep. in other publications also, or? Well, uh, so the time on target and then, and, uh, um, the, the a lot of the like three or four of the scenarios in the forgotten were mine, and then there's some more in the queue um, that haven't got published yet for the MMP guys. Mm. Now, so how, the, how do yeah. you do your scenario so, design? How does that? Do you have a certain process that you follow? Like, does a do you just decide you're going to design a scenario, or do do you keep a list of interesting actions that you think you might make a good scenario and then you pick one and I mean, how do you decide what right you so that's a good question that's a great question so what i do is um it comes at several different ways normally the where those the scenario ideas, ideas come from is from some some or, or magazine a really good one uh, crazy enough is the world war ii magazine that the guys they publish and I, I pulled out a lot of scenario ideas out of that. They mentioned some engagement, and I'll go look it up. Or an example is they may they may describe a let's say they have the U.S. Army landing in Luzon Island in the Philippines, uh, and they may describe a whole bunch of the little campaign. Well, I'll pick a little engagement that sounds interesting. Yeah. So then I'll what I'll do is then I'll go dig around on the internet or. Uh, it turns out that one of the best military history libraries is right here at the Command General Staff College at Fort Leavenworth. <laughs> so I go over there, and uh, they even have the closed archives that they haven't scanned stuff on up, up on the third floor of the library. So I, I've been up there multiple times and, and found books that I never would have been able to find. Uh, they haven't been scanned anywhere, or I've never been able to find anywhere else. Wow. And uh, I pulled tons of sources, tons of descriptions. What I like to do is I like to get as many uh, sources as I can find. So 
preferably two, three, maybe four sources, if I can find them. Now, some of the original source from the same place, so it's kind of, uh, it doesn't, that doesn't help. But you, like if I can find something, like the Korean War one, if I can find something that the, the rock guys wrote, the Republic of Korea guys wrote, and that they have histories of the Korean War, and I can find something that the U.S. Guy, American guys wrote about oh, the yeah. same engagement, that is really good. Yeah. And then if I hopefully, then I can, uh, for the Korean War, we had some people that could read Chinese or give us some Chinese source. I could find the actual Chinese or Korean source uh, units over there. Yeah. Um, but the U.S. Army Intel, Intel, which all those are declassified now, but a lot of the Intel reports, they'll list, they'll know what Chinese units they were engaging because they interrogated people and, you know, they'd capture some and they find out what units they were with and whatnot. But for the Germans and the Russians, you can find, easily find, not easily, it'll take a little digging, but you can find sources from both sides. And it's interesting to see what they compare their, their narratives about what happened. Mm. Are they often so similar, or are they? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times they are. A lot of times they are. Um, there may be like the, the the Germans may have thought the Russian units were slightly different positions, and the Russians may, you know, uh, they may not a, a have recorded what units were there actually, uh, but they record not their own units, but they're uh, they may say like, oh, the twenty seventh Tank Army was there. Well, okay, we don't know what you know, what division it was or what. And so uh, the Germans will have a lot of that. Um, but yeah, so, and then one one book may, or one source may have a map, one source may not. And so it's, it's I just, I just double tap them till I get um, to a reasonable state. Um, so yeah, so then I just create the, I, I get a little hint of an engagement and then I start researching it. So, and uh, do you follow? Uh, how did you learn to design scenarios? Did you use Mark Pitkavich's book, or did you write your own book on how to do scenarios, figuratively, maybe? Well, so we, I didn't have his. Well, right. So I, I've got his book, and I've used ideas out of it certainly, and that was a really. I, I think he did a good job with that. Yeah. Um, I didn't have it when I first started. Um, when we first started doing scenarios, and this is back way back, like in uh, the 19, uh, late 1980s, when we were doing scenarios for those Los Angeles tournaments, we just kind of make up things and they weren't even real, you know, <laughs> engagements. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah. uh, like, but, by but, your own point. Yeah, it was crazy. But so then, but then what I did was, is ever since uh, we've been doing the March Madness stuff, I created a, a PowerPoint template, and it sounds like old school now, but a PowerPoint template of a scenario. Uh, we've never used the artwork just to avoid MMP, you know, uh, consideration. We just use what a lot of other people do, just the unit numbers and the name of the vehicles and stuff like that, and uh, on the counters on the scenario sheets. But we use the same standard structure that MMP does, um, the same, like, format, what's, what's in what place on the scenario card. And then uh, just the time we've we've uh, got better at doing it, so I just use that structure. And then recently, the final product we sent it down to Rick Reinish, who's the BFP art guy, mm -hmm. and he he cleans them up in a nice, pretty uh, scenario format, and then they go to the from there. Have you ever uh, tried something? Uh, I mean, did you ever think I want to do something different with this scenario and just try something? 
out of the ordinary. I don't know. I've never designed scenarios, so I don't know what I would what I oh. would do. But well, we've done we've done some so some submissions have been a, a historical. We know we know we can quickly find out that they're a historical, um, and and that's you know that's cool every once in a while to do one of those. Uh, you know, just some interesting situation. Um, but so what I'll do is so yeah, here's a part of the scenario design that's kind of the art part. And that is, is you'll get the units that were there in the engagement down to some decent level of understanding. Okay, then you'll, you'll I also research what kind of uh, the tables of organization equipment that those units had, so I know what kind of tanks they had and whatnot. And then I'll, uh, then when you start putting the counters on the map and playing it out, you have to kind of massage the numbers of units and stuff like that. You can, You can't just it's it's not doesn't work just to do oh okay they had a company and a half of troops i'm going to put a company and a half of troops in this scenario mm, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta balance it right so that yeah. each side has a chance to win. and uh so that's that's part of it and then some of them uh so like the, the, we kind of did a little bit of that in the re recent thing we did this year which was the three-player pack and um so I did a, a kind of a, a two scenarios that are tied together that are about uh, the Germans at the at the the furthest extent they got in the Battle of the Bulge, uh, almost to the Meuse River, and um, as they got there, they hit they they well they ran out of gas and a whole bunch of other th reasons, but the Americans countered attack from the north, but there was also a British unit that came from the side the the east, west. And that participated a little bit. So I kind of expanded that a little bit <laughs> so that we could do a three-player version of it. And so we and, oh, and the good. British and Americans, you have to you kind of have to massage the the victory conditions so they both compete against each other. Right, right. Um, they can't both be ganged up. They're both ganged up on the Germans, but they're not like let's say for then this one is oh, they both get victory points for capturing buildings. Well, only one of them can capture the building. Okay, well, they, right. they have to go faster or they have to. <laughs> so anyway, it's interesting dynamics doing that. Yeah, did that three player, was there a recent, there's a recent three player pack, is that coming out soon from? Yeah, it's out, it's out, you can get it. Yep, you can get it from our, our little, we, the Kansas City group, the March Nandis group, the actual company that does it is called Encircle Productions. That's the LLC we put together for it. But you can also get it from Gamers Armory or the the um, uh, Scenario Archive guys. It, yeah, you can get it. Um, it's it's out. You can order. Yeah, that's the... that's a fairly new one, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep, just out in March. Well, we, we didn't get out till April, but it's April. Yeah. I like three-player games a lot. Some people don't like having to wait the extra round for the other player to play <laughs> but i like them a lot and jeff and i have played a couple couple of them so i will be uh looking forward to that pack or if you guys want to send one on out for us to review we still yeah. have two other we'll get two you. other or three other packs that we need to still review that we received these three up here i think we did two of these already and and so i love i love your packs yeah um and then and then another email we got was uh but from uh matt peterson about mm -hmm. his historic KC Fest. Yeah, yeah. So he's setting up a. He's been setting up the. Uh, has a couple start and stops because of COVID, but finally getting it to happen uh, in June. Is it June? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, it's going to uh, be uh, actually historic, July, historic July, July 30th July. to August 1st. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the weekend after the St. Louis tournament, ASL tournament. But yeah, so we'll be down there. Uh, we'll probably uh, we'll be playing like the demo uh, advanced squad leader. And, you know, we, we used to there used to be a couple other uh, little game conventions here in town in Kansas City um, that were not completely focused on role playing or like magic or something um and we would we would demo the games there and we got a, we've got a couple people come in that have been interested so you know throw the throw the bait out and get somebody some once in a while so yeah. the, the march madness guys and i so our little group um another thing we've been working on for a few years and it's starting to be a long time now again uh just we all work it's just hard to finish it up but we've been doing a world war one set of rules and counters and we've done all the research and we've got an initial set of rules out that it's just it's an asl and uh i know you guys i know everybody that first hears that is going to go well that's ridiculous no i like uh, but it. we think we have a night we think we have a yeah so it was fun researching we've got all the british weapons the french the americans the russians uh, a lot of the ottomans um the serbian stuff uh we've got all uh, the weapons uh, we've done a lot of research and we have a, a initial rule set and so we're we're getting ready to start play testing that and we we've been having start and stop plans for this original thought was is hey let's get it out by 2014 the 100th anniversary and then it was hey let's get it out by 2018 the, the uh 2019 the 100th anniversary end of the war and now it's like okay well let's try to get it out by 2023 <laughs> Uh, uh, but we're going to print counters and uh, and have the rules and, and and do a pack like that. And then you know if we get enough interest, then we'll we'll propose it to MMP and see you know if they bite it. Bite? I don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. They they've got a ton of stuff um, in their pipeline too. Sure. Yes. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody does. There's so so much product these days, which. Uh, we can't complain because we used to complain there was nothing. No, they and the the benefit that and they know this. We all know this, but they get so much free work from us people who are total fanatics. <laughs> I mean, the amount of for the amount of money that we got for the Korean War module, I would guess it was like one cent an hour. <laughs> yeah, or there could there might be there might be a couple guys dumb enough to do a whole podcast promoting their products and. <laughs> <laughs> and never, never even get a free game from them to review on the show. Unlike our Kansas City friends who send us free product to review on the show, or our friends at Ritter Creek, or our friends, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> broken oh, ground. Yeah, it's true. It's a problem. Perry. You'll have to go to Oktoberfest and, and buy Chaz uh, and Perry some drinks or something. And uh... Yeah. We <laughs> It's time for us to interview them again, too. But I don't know. I think they like stiffing us. They should be buying us drinks. Come on. Oh, well, there you go. Right. You're selling their product. Yeah. And we need to get Chaz. So the, so Chaz the, from, oh, I'm sorry, Chaz from MMP doesn't feel comfortable yeah. interviewing, I don't think. Perry's been on, I think, uh, twice. We should get Perry again. Okay. And then Chaz Smith from um, Bounding Fire. We oh, really yeah. liked him on, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, waiting to hear yeah in fact, he was here. He was at the, the uh, seat that commanders 
this year. We hung out with him and, and did some of the play testing for some of his BFP uh, scenario stuff. Yeah, so we yeah. hung out. Um, we have uh, the the next in the queue for the, the March Man uh, our March Madness stuff is we have a Tenth Mountain pack coming out. We have a Korean War uh, pack that's going to be that we just concept uh, got a concept for and are starting to get scenarios for. And then we're going to try to have a three-player scenario in every pack from now on. So everything we put out, I'll have one of those. The reason we started that was because there would be times when we get together, and I say that we usually have six to 12 people, but that's because we only had three or five. Okay, well, now, what uh, now we can pull out the scenario. They do have a different feel, though, because there's an ad additional defensive fire phase, right? A different yeah. extra rally phase. So it's a it's a different feel, uh, which is fun. Yes, but it's the same game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yep. I often back when I was having the Palatine area squad leaders, um, I would play two opponents at once. Or I would sit out at being the host of the club and then let the other guys yeah. pair up so yeah it's nice to have other yeah, options that, available yep and some some scenarios you can semi-readily split the forces up yeah yeah you take that side as you know especially if there's two directions they enter yeah do you ever get involved in uh, big campaign games or do you like to do campaigns uh in california we tried red barricades uh but the Germans, um, uh, within a couple of days, they had routed the Russians, and that did not turn out well. So, oh. uh, but we we played Hatton. Uh, so right now I'm playing a Hatton um, in Plains uh, campaign game. The only way we were able to do it was because uh, one of the guys has one of these awesome tables that you can take the top off and put a campaign game under, and yeah. then put the top back on and play game on top oh you have one too awesome it's yes, mine's I love that. mine's being produced by wormwood designs oh. uh, I, I did their their kickstarter so it's still being okay. built yet but soon i'm hoping within a couple months it'll be the first time yeah i can do that hat and we heard the hat thing is good <laughs> yeah yeah well it's small and so you can i mean you can imagine how tough it is to i mean having designed a lot of scenarios especially ones that have kind of varying um, OBs, like if you, you can have different types of OBs, uh, options for the players and stuff. It's tough to play test it enough to get it, it perfectly balanced. And so if you have red barricades, and I know they worked on a long time, and yeah, I mean, you, you, don't, you can't think of every single crazy iteration that can happen. And uh, with Hatton, it's only, what, five or six days, game days long. So I can see that that's, you know, they've been able to tighten it up a little bit. And plus they've had 20 some years of experience building these things. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any particular aspect of the game that you would change or that you don't really like or something that you really do like? Knowing, knowing how real operations, the only thing that uh, I might consider changing especially for people that had that units that had challenges with radios, you do some kind of command and control thing. Uh, but uh, you know what, it's too, it, like like uh, Solitaire ASL has some, you know, has an implementation of that. Um, but you know what, it, it, 
at some point, just like when I do analyses, at some point, the complexity becomes so much that it, 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 it's not of value anymore. And yeah. so in this case is, could you add some command control to it? Sure. But uh, what real greatness would that bring to it? Uh, not much, I don't think. Um, I've often wondered yeah, I, if there's an effective way of doing fog of war better than they do, which is right. non-existent. But, you know, that would be interesting. But like you say, I don't know how you would implement that. You'd have to do a lot of hip and trust the other plan. Yeah. Like if he was moving, moving somebody outside your line of sight and he was hip, he'd have to track somehow. You know, it'd be a yeah. little record keeping. There's Washington's Wars miniatures game. Fifteen. Why well, do fifteen millimeter Rev War? Uh, they do have blocks of wood, and if your unit moves behind mm -hmm. a woods, you can put down two blocks of wood and take the unit off the table. And then he doesn't know which one's the real one, and you're moving until he ah. can see it again. So there's some sense of trying exactly what you're talking about, but it would get yeah. more complicated. So well, you could, you you know, that's not actually a bad idea. Actually, it wouldn't be much more complex where you, if you got a unit outside of line of sight and you were able to conceal them, you could auto-generate some extra concealment markers and uh, yeah. cause some uh, confusion there. Yeah. Like you just said with Washington's way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not much more complicated. Okay. Right. Well, so now what we're, what I think what we got is uh, like momentum. So there's this inertia. So to change anything basic, uh, you can add stuff, but the basic concepts, uh, yeah, you know, are used to it. And anyway, yeah. Well, our time's running out a little bit here. Is there? Uh, we did talk about let's see the past, we to the present, the future. We talked about some products being made. <laughs> anything else that you'd like to add, Paul? No, I just appreciate you guys giving me that opportunity. Uh, it's a, I love this game, and I, you know, I, and I tell people about it at work, and and uh, try to get some hooked there, and um, yeah. So it's a, it, well, I'll tell you this: there have been multiple times when I have thought uh, the Command General Staff College could use Advanced Squad Leader as a track tactics training tool easily, uh, <laughs> and. Um, uh, yeah, for those guys that are doing tactical uh, operations, it would be a great tool for them. Uh, yeah. We just haven't got, I mean, every once in a while an instructor will try it um, over there, but it doesn't, we never get it stick. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's understandable, but it's a good thought. Well, we have been very <laughs> blessed to have you come on our show. And um, I guess I'm being hypocritical because like, MMP doesn't give us any free product. We don't have much to send you either, Paul. So, yeah. oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> Just doing this is a total uh, high for me. It's really cool. oh, good. Cool. <laughs> we could send you. Oh the yeah, beanie. there a beanie. Yeah, yeah we could send you the beanie. We have an extra beanie here, still in the plastic, still fresh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's really been uh, great talking to you, and uh, we look forward to maybe seeing to you, uh, seeing you. You make uh, Kansas City area sound very attractive, and maybe Dave uh, and I will get in the car or get on the train or get on a plane and come and visit. That would be great. 
I already spoke to my yeah. wife about about this awesome. event coming up July 30th, but that's not going to fit for her and I. We have friends who moved to Kansas City, so she really wow. wants to go out there. So next, and I know we said this before, people. Hopefully next March Madness, but boys, you know St. Louis too. I haven't been to, and that's not that far, you know. So those uh, guys do a good job at St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, should we sign off then together, or try? <laughs> Remember to roll low. Roll low. Rally well. Rally well, but not when you're playing us. That's right. Bye-bye, everybody, man. Bye, Paul. Thanks. Bye, Paul. Take care. Bye. Bye.